0: Hello and welcome to part one of our Champions League final preview here on Reds Unrestricted. I'm David Cummerford and I'm joined today by Real Madrid expert Eduardo Alvarez for an in-depth look at our opponents in Paris.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.
0: Eduardo contributes to Spanish football coverage for Liga Fever, the BBC, and Football España. Uh, Thanks very much for coming on, Eduardo. Uh, We'll get straight into it, Uh, why don't we? And we'll start with a a general question, I suppose. So it's probably fair to say, at least in in my mind, that Real Madrid aren't quite uh, on the level of Liverpool and Manchester City, but how close would you say they are? How how good a team is this, is the question, really?
1: Um, when the season started, no one really thought that uh, this squad would be able to win La Liga and uh, reach the final of the Champions League. So that, that gives you an idea that uh, the general feeling was that not only in Europe, but also in Spain, there were... Deeper squads and uh, more in-shape teams than the one that uh, Ancelotti inherited uh, from from Zidane. And uh, the, the, there were a, a bunch of issues with the squad. Uh, Depth was one of them, uh, except for Kamabinga and Alaba. Uh, there were no new signings because everyone was was expecting to get Mbappé. In Madrid, uh, in the last summer, so uh, all the money and energy was focused on that, and Camavinga uh, ended up being signed only because Mbappe wasn't signed, uh, and Camavinga came in the last day of the transfer window. Uh, but there were several positions that were not reinforced, and again, because Real Madrid were saving cash for Mbappe, so the fullback positions, uh, there's no. In general, the back four uh, has no. Uh, reliable um, substitutes. If you look at the bench, uh, the starting back four is uh, pretty reliable, I would say, with Mendy, Alaba, Militao, and and Carvajal. But uh, in the bench, you have Marcelo, who's pretty much a a retiree at this point, so you you cannot trust Marcelo on a top-level match. Um, You have no no replacement for Carvajal, and they uh, invented Lucas Vázquez, who was in fact uh, a winger and and has played uh, as a fullback for for most of the season. And uh, for the centre-back positions, there's only Nacho, who uh, was... And and we have to say that both Nacho and Carvajal have, uh, have resurrected in the last couple of months of the season, but they had had a terrible season in terms of performances and uh, and injuries. They they hadn't been good, and that uh, that was one of the reasons why everyone was not very comfortable with this uh, with the back four. And then the rest of the team uh, has an aging midfield with Casemiro, Kroos, Modric, who have been playing uh, uh, Casemiro a, a, a bit less, but Kroos and Modric almost ten years uh, in Real Madrid's mo- uh, midfield, and that's a long time. Uh, and there were no visible replacements for for those, especially in the creative side of things. Uh, and the the front uh, the front line, uh, Vinicius last season didn't finish uh, very well. So the general impression is that uh, we only had Benzema as a reliable scorer, and uh, the rest of players available would have to prove themselves. So th- this was. The view at the beginning of the season was: uh, we really have no depth. We have no mm, only one reliable scorer, and uh, if injuries uh, show up, uh, we're gonna ha- we're gonna suffer, especially in, 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 on defense. Uh, if you take a look at uh, you mentioned Liverpool and Manchester City, uh, the 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 depth of the of the teams uh, is is really remarkable. Especially City, for instance, have more than 15 players that cost over 40 million euros. And that's something that, uh, at this point, I don't think any, any Spanish team can afford, uh, not even Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, you would have to to go back, I don't know, 10 seasons to to count that that amount of, of valuable players being signed by Real Madrid over that, that, that threshold. Uh, so yes, just uh, to, to finish with your question, uh, no one really expected this real madrid with this squad to 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 go that far and and the interesting point is how come this happened uh, and and i think that that's a, that's a really interesting debate
0: i think it's it's very interesting what you say about the sort of squad comparison and and the values of the players because i'm starting to think that Given the value of of the Premier League broadcast deals, um, which really far outstrips the the other big leagues in Europe, Real and Barcelona are going to be almost more reliant than ever before on their sort of status as probably the two biggest clubs in the world to attract players, when they might be outcompeted financially by by some of the top sides. But but based on what you're saying there, it's it's clear, and I think the consensus is that Liverpool are just about the favourites for this game, but how much belief do Real Madrid have in light of the the comebacks against PSG and Manchester City and obviously given their history in this competition, because we know as Liverpool fans, certainly on our side, just how important that kind of heritage is uh, in the Champions League.
1: Well, uh, I think their belief is total. (laughs) I mean, it's... uh... Uh, it's understandable that uh, that we are the underdog but because uh, again because of all, all of the issues the team has had during the season and and because uh, because of what jürgen klopp has built over the last few years in liverpool but the fact is that uh, eliminating manchester city chelsea and uh, paris saint-germain would give any team a lot of belief in their in their possibilities. I mean, these are three huge sides uh, in terms of squads and and uh, and experience of the players. Probably not the clubs, but but experience of the players. If you take a look at the at the squads, it, it's uh, it's it's actually very, really intimidating the, the the players that they have and how they also come to Real Madrid at some point in in the in the two way ties. Uh, tells you a lot about the ability of this team to to group together and uh, and charge when when it's required uh, uh, there are some points that that to me uh, point at how impressive this team has been in terms of uh, of focusing on a target and and getting through the through the fence, uh, uh, the the way Real Madrid scored the third goal against Paris Saint-Germain to me is, uh, speaks volumes about Real Madrid, also about Paris Saint-Germain, of course. But uh, the fact that the, they were kicking off after conceding the second goal, and it was a raid. I mean, uh, when when Verratti lost the ball, there were six Real Madrid players charging forward, like uh, really believing they were going to score again. I mean, they saw that the, that. Paris Saint-Germain was had been hit and they 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 were looking hesitant and they went for it they went for the jugular. This is the type of team that when it uh, sees an opportunity goes for it and and uh, it, this is really important in knockout uh, tournaments probably less in a in a in a league uh, in a long league but in terms of Sensing when the the match is turning on and uh, being able to up to to take advantage of that tie change, uh, this is something they do really well. And uh, you cannot uh, forget that there's a number of players who have been around for a while and have uh, have been extremely successful. And as you said, uh, the story of the team helps, but also having cross, Madrid, Benzema uh players so important and and so successful uh it, it has brought the younger players on uh, on a belief that they would probably they wouldn't they wouldn't have if they had didn't have those teammates uh pushing them to go forward and and to win another match so i think that the the mixture of, of experience and and youth uh has worked out very well for this team
0: the experience point is is absolutely huge um and we know that this liverpool team certainly the majority of it is really the same side that that beat tottenham a couple of, a couple of years ago to, to win the competition but it still doesn't compare uh, certainly to the level of experience in the real side and i i think the you know you mentioned the belief being total i think that's what makes real almost most dangerous in this game is that even if Liverpool were to go a couple of goals up, the position that Real have been in already and, and, and got out of it, I mean, in the Man City game, it was two goals in the space of effectively a minute. The game is is never going to be over, really, barring a, yeah. the, the kind of margin that we're just unlikely to see, Um, given that the two teams are, are quite it, that, close.
1: That's probably the, the most important thing, that they don't... They don't look defeated, uh, or or maybe rather, uh, at some points they do look defeated, but they don't behave like that. So they were three down against Chelsea. Uh, it's, I mean, they were done basically. You would say they're three down at home. I mean, this is this is over, but there's a point where they switch and something triggers them and that's why they play the same even if they're one up or two down they, they and and this is huge for European competitions you cannot give up you cannot uh, act as though the game is over and this is something that they they do really well and for some reason for different reasons psg and and especially I think PSG and Manchester city uh, were not able to to behave like that they 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 looked rattled when when they considered and they looked uh, weak and uh, and that's why uh the team went out to punish. It,
0: it reminds me in a way of Liverpool's run in 2019 and beating Barcelona in those circumstances it's like the team feels almost almost destined to win um, given what happened on the run to the final but to speak about a, a player that you've Already mentioned earlier, how much belief will it give Real Madrid to have a player like Karim Benzema, who has probably been the best player in the world this season? And I mean, it's easy to build this game as as Benzema versus Salah, both have been labelled the best in the world at different points this season, and obviously we've seen Salah really stoking the flames before the match. So that could be maybe the the defining battle in a way.
1: Yes. Yes, I think um, Benzema got more help than we expected uh, from Vinicius and and Rodrigo, the two young Brazilians this season. Uh, But uh, he's been... I I would say... um, I I don't think we, we would be... Not only the final of the Champions League, but we wouldn't have won La Liga without Benzema either. He's been that consistent all the season. And in some games in which uh, he wasn't performing that well, uh, he's been able to find a couple of sparks to actually score or to assist. So he's been so productive all season that uh, it's actually... uh, I I, I struggle to believe that Real Madrid will be able to win this match if Benzema doesn't play well. Uh, Because we've seen what happens when he's... When he's not there or when he's not playing 100%, and the team is completely different. It's not only because his course is really important in the way the team builds their plays. He plays really in, in long stretches of the match. You'll see that he plays really close to midfield or, or is the first option for the midfielders to move the ball forward. And uh, he's the one that uh, actually got Vinicius. Uh, As confident as he is now, he's been looking for him uh, in terms of speed, and uh, that partnership has brought Real Madrid uh, many, many, many uh, successful moments in 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 this season. So, I I would say that it is indeed Benzema is probably more important for Real Madrid than Salah is for Liverpool uh, because Liverpool has other options, more established than Benzema than Salah, and that they don't depend on on Salah to. To shine. I mean, the addition of Diaz to me is scary, for instance, and uh, and Diaz doesn't need uh, doesn't need anyone to to feed him. I mean, he, he can create his own chaos without really much help from his teammates uh, and is and similar f- uh, for Manet, etc. So I would say that uh, if Benzema is, is okay, we will see a lot of issues. we will see uh, a lot of uh, probably Rodrigo in the second half, we we will see other players sign. If Benzema is not playing uh, to the level that he's played this season, Real Madrid will really struggle to to in the offensive side of things.
0: I, I think I agree with the point about Salah, especially the form that Sadio Mane has been in, and Diaz as well, probably very likely to start this game. Um, and maybe the burden on him is, isn't quite the same. I was going to ask this question a little little bit later, but I think it probably makes sense to come to it now, seeing as you've spoke about their partnership. There's been a lot of talk um, about one specific matchup within this game, uh, Vinicius against Trent Alexander-Arnold. What do you think of that battle? Is that somewhere where Real Madrid will look and think we can get a bit of joy there? Especially because there will obviously be times where it's not so much Vinicius running at Trent one against one. It's Vinicius running into space. That's been vacated by by Trent when he goes forward. Uh,
1: to me, when was, that's one of the main uh, points that Real Madrid have to exploit. I mean, uh, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is, is 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 a huge playmaker, but uh, we all know that that tracking back or defending is not is not his his biggest uh, strength, and I think. Vinicius has reached a level of maturity during the last season that he can now exploit uh, this this type of fullbacks a lot better than he did uh, in previous years because he he would try to uh, dribble his way out of every single play. And now he picks uh, his timing a lot better and he can use a mixture of finding the ball in space or dribbling or switching sides that... that and I think uh, Alexander Arlo will have to pay a lot of attention to his back because uh, Vinicius and Benzema feeding him, of course, uh, can, can create a lot of trouble. And, and, and if, as I expect, uh, Real Madrid tend to sit down more often than pressing on, up front, uh, Trent will have to come forward, and and that's that's one of the the, the areas that Real Madrid will exploit.
0: And obviously, we saw uh, last season in the knockout stages, Vinicius uh, scoring twice yeah. in, in Real yeah. Madrid's home like So Liverpool um, have learned themselves just how dangerous he can be, and they've seen, um, no doubt, the performances he's delivered this season too. But to suppose flip that question round a little bit. Um, you spoke earlier about the Real Madrid defence when you were sort of breaking down the squad. Is that a concern against Liverpool's attack? Because, you know, from my point of view, when I have watched Carvajal play, and he's looked a little bit like he's past his prime, and the centre-back partnership maybe isn't at the same level as this partnership that we saw for a, a period of time with Rafael Varane and, and Sergio Ramos. Is that... Um, a worry for for Real Madrid going into the game do you think?
1: Both are fair points uh, Carvajal had a terrible first six months of the season absolutely terrible uh, careless with the ball uh, he uh, he was actually uh, uh, so careless that uh, he gave away three or four penalties in the space of a month one of them to Mbappé uh, if you remember in, against PSG uh, he was not in shape, and that's why uh, Ancelotti was switching him with Lucas Vazquez, who was playing out of position. Neither were of uh, a decent solution for for that position. But he's come he's come to re- resemble uh, his old self in the last month, six weeks. and I think especially motivated by by the Champions League. He started to play well again when uh, when Real Madrid were playing with a make-do back four uh, against Chelsea in the in the extra time, uh, Carvajal played for the first time of his life as a centre back. He was the the shortest back four I've seen in my life with Marcelo Carvajal, uh, Alava and uh, Lucas Vazquez. I mean, they're they're all uh, the five seven, <laughs> five eight maximum. So, and and he played really well that match. And from that match onwards, he's recovered a lot of his self. Self uh, trust, uh, self confidence, uh, but again, I don't think he is the player he was four or five years ago. That that's that's obviously a, a point of concern. And again, uh, there's no backup for him. And the and, and the pardon the partnership in the center of defense. Obviously, when Varane and Ramos were in shape, uh, they were outstanding. Varane left Real Madrid after. Uh, because he wanted uh, to try something new, and and but his last season was not good. I mean, he gave away two goals against Manchester City in the Champions League uh, tie with, with uh, against them, and that cost Real Madrid the the tie. So we already thought that he was not probably because of injuries he was not uh, the player he used to be, and obviously Ramos was physically not the same, and and. Uh, PSG can tell you a lot about, <laughs> about his, his fitness. Now, he hasn't played more than three, four matches this season. So uh, what came uh, to to replace that that duo was uh, Militao and, and Alava. Alava is extremely smart, uh, very skilled with the ball and helps to bring the ball from the back. But he's not physically imposing, I'd say. I mean, he's, he's shorter than an average centre-back and, uh, and not as fast as some other uh, centre-back. So uh, he may be in trouble, especially uh, if he's caught uh, out of position and has to track back. And Militão is, is, uh, is probably very complementary because he's, he's taller, he's really good in the air, uh, he's fast but he's not that skilled with the ball so sometimes when Real Madrid have to build from the back militao is the weak point and most teams target him when he gets the ball to, to try to dare him and 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 play a, a risky pass because they know that he has more uh, he's more likely to make a mistake than than alaba uh, this partnership has looked really good in some matches and extremely poor in others, uh, especially on the side of Militao, who's finishing the season worse than than he was playing in January, February. This last month has not been good, both in La Liga and the Champions League ties. Um, and we'll see how, how well he performs when, when he's back uh, on Saturday.
0: Well, Certainly that element you mentioned in terms of trying to force defenders into mistakes we see obviously is a very prominent part of, of Liverpool's game plan. Yeah. So that's definitely something to to watch out for. I wanted to change focus a little bit to recent weeks and the differing preparation for the two teams because obviously Liverpool all the way up until last weekend were going for the, the Premier League title. They've had an FA Cup final too. Or as Real Madrid, I think I'm right in saying wrapped up the title at the end of April, effectively. Yeah. Um so what have the past few likes, the the past few weeks been like for Real Madrid? Um, you know, it seems like they've been able to really focus all their attention on on this game. And I saw some quotes from Thibaut Cour- Courtois, and he thinks that it's gonna be an important advantage for Real, you know, having that that period to really that long term preparation, whereas Liverpool have only been able to afford to switch focus in the past couple of days?
1: Well, it's a bit paradoxical because uh, uh, one of the things that most media were uh, were complaining about Ancelotti was the fact that he wasn't rotating during the season at all. I mean, you would know by heart the starting 11 every single match, even if they were playing two or three times a week. uh, It was the same starting 11. And he only made adjustments when someone got injured. And uh, even if it was a meaningless match against uh, inferior opposition, the starting 11 would play again. And, and people were concerned because, obviously, with Modric, it's 35. crosses is 32. Casimiro's 30. So if, if they play every single match uh, at the end of the season, you're going to need uh, some breathing space for them. But, but the fact is that... Uh, he got the title uh, a month in advance and now he's been rotating very heavily. And he's given... Every single starter has played some minutes, but they have been able to rest, uh, I, I would say, enough. Uh, they all think, uh, both Ancelotti and the players think that uh, it's good to be in competitive pace. That's why no none of them... Uh, maybe one of them skipped or a few of them skipped one of the matches that was away in a week that there were three matches in a row but they mostly have played at least uh, half an hour in every single match so they haven't lost completely the, the match fitness and uh, of course that the, the I think the, the most important thing is that there's no injured players for this match Whereas Real Madrid played all the the three ties, the three Champions League ties uh, against those top three teams, uh, there was someone or more than one player injured at that point. And this is the first time that Ancelotti will be able to to field uh, the starting lineup that he wants to to play with, uh, with no injuries, no substitutes, nothing, nothing missing. So. Um, I think it's played out very well for Ancelotti. It could have been a lot worse. We could have lost Modric to injury in April and we would be dead or Benzema. But the fact is that they've all arrived uh, in, in very good shape to to the final.
0: And that could certainly be crucial as well because obviously on the Liverpool side there's concerns over Fabinho and Thiago who are, who are two yeah. crucial uh, figures within the side. I think it's interesting, really, the contrast because. As a Liverpool fan, you think you are almost a little bit envious that Real have been able to to rotate around it and keep players fresh. But at the same time, Liverpool certainly, from their point of view, have benefited from having a lot of rhythm and almost yeah. attacking each match and, and staying in it, a competitive mindset. So it would be just to see if Real have managed to, to strike the balance uh, with that. But... Um, I suppose the the last thing to to cover really, and you mentioned there about about the lack of injuries, and Ancelotti really being able to pick uh, his strongest team. What does that team look like?
1: One thing about Ancelotti is that you really know he's starting eleven. You you don't need to second yeah. guess, <laughs> and he's not gonna play mind tricks. He's not gonna overthink the lineup. He will probably give the lineup the, the day before the match, because <laughs> so, he doesn't really care about. So it's going to be Courtois, and then the back four is going to be Carvajal, Alaba, Militão, and and uh, Mendy. Then uh, in midfield, uh, there will be Casemiro, cross Modric and Valverde. Valverde will play on the right hand side more as a as a forward in attack and uh, as a midfielder in defense with uh, a lot of uh, freedom to cover the back of cross and modric basically so he will help casimiro in terms of of the defensive liabilities he's a, he's a human dynamo i mean it's it's uh, physically is uh, is overwhelming and, and that's why ancelotti values him so much and then uh, Benzema and Vinicius will be will be the forward positions. I would not be surprised at all if Rodrigo plays at least half an hour. Uh, if things don't go well for Real Madrid, if, even even if they are going well for Real Madrid, I would think uh, that Rodrigo will show up to to try to catch Liverpool in, at the counter. So I do believe that Rodrigo will play Will play in the second half, and it's also very likely that Eduardo Camavinga uh, will also see some minutes uh, to refresh uh, cross, probably or perhaps Modric. And those, those thirteen the, players, yeah. if those thirteen players should should play. I would be surprised if if someone else from the team makes a cameo, uh, but but those thirteen players will probably uh, uh, feature in the match.
0: And I was going to ask about, um, you know, Camavinga and, and, and Rodrigo. Certainly, as the two players who, who do seem to be kind of the the options there. How can they change the game if if say it's a draw or Real Madrid are losing? What what kind of difference can they make from kind of a stylistic point of view?
1: Well, um, Rodrigo is uh, extremely skilled, extremely fast. He's been playing out of position for the last two years. Uh, he's actually, he used to be a center forward in Brazil and then moved to the, to the left uh, winger, left forward position. Uh, he's right footed, but he's extremely skilled with both feet. Uh, probably a worse dribbler than, than Vinicius and a slightly uh, slower. But he's more skilled in terms of uh, finishing technique. He can finish with both legs. And uh, again, he's been playing on the right. It's not his favorite uh, position. But when he joins the match, you can see the energy he brings uh, the he's no he has no fear of uh, of making mistakes. And he goes forward, he goes he's he's got the goal in his mind all the time. So, uh, I think he brings an energy of the bench uh that uh complements very well that of Benzema and Vinicius. When when all three play together uh you don't miss a lot in terms of defense because Rodrigo uh is quite devoted to to his defensive uh responsibilities and you win a lot in terms of electricity and ability to 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 score. Camavinga brings uh uh, similarly to Rodrigo, Camavinga brings a level of energy that's unbelievable. He covers so much pitch, and uh, is very skilled with the ball. Uh, Ancelotti very often complains uh, that at some points he he's too risky uh, with the ball when when he when he's playing a defensive midfielder position. But the fact is that uh, he's extremely talented with his left foot and. Uh, He's been the key of uh, a couple of comebacks uh, uh, for Real Madrid because because he single-handedly uh, managed to push the team 10-20 meters forward. the The fact with Ancelotti has said that with a lot of honesty, when he plays with Casemiro, cross and Modric, he cannot run high press because they can no longer press uh, in, in that way. They don't have the the fitness to 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 go for 60, 70 minutes per, pressing high, but the fact is when Camavinga joins uh, the team, everyone goes like 10, 20 meters forwards <laughs> because they know that Kamavinga is going to cover a lot more pits than than Cross or Modric, so it brings the team uh, an attitude of, well now we can take risks, we can move forward, we can. We can take the game to the half of the of the pitch and and that's really important when you're trying to come back from from a bad result or when you're trying to to keep things uh, on the other side of the pitch. Uh, he's been a great, great hiring
0: and he's only nineteen, 19. years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he's certainly someone who obviously he might not start this game, but he looks like he's really gonna be. A, a star for Real Madrid for for years to come, uh, yep. really. So uh, we will yep. just to see what what kind of impact he uh, makes on Saturday. But that is uh, everything we wanted to cover. So uh, thanks again, uh, Eduardo. I'll put your um, Twitter uh, link in the episode description as well, so people can give you a follow on there. Excellent. Um, in terms of uh, the podcast. We'll be back uh, tomorrow, hopefully, with uh, part two of our Champions League final preview, which will be focusing more on the Liverpool perspective. So stay tuned for that, um, and we'll see you then.